Welcome to each and every one of you amazing individuals who are participants in the Global Parkinson's Recovery Community. I'm Robert Rogers, the person who will be providing responses to a number of questions that have been submitted concerning ways that you can identify natural options that help to reverse whatever symptoms you might currently be experiencing associated with a diagnosis of a neurological condition like Parkinson's disease. Thank you so much for connecting to my Q&A today. I founded Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. We've been at it now 15 marvelous years, and the purpose has been to identify the many different ways that people have discovered are helping them reverse whatever symptoms they experience so that you have an array of options to consider that can help you, as well as others, be able to find a successful strategy for having a journey down the road to recovery that is, in fact, truly successful. I'm going to read each of the questions I have submitted. I'll simply indicate the first name, although you'll probably recognize the question is yours when you hear it. This question comes from Barbara. Is it truly possible to recover from Parkinson's disease? Now, when I receive that question, and I get it a couple of times a week, either in emails or in phone conversations, I think what you really, Barbara, are doing is you're making a statement. And the statement is a reflection of the false belief that is promulgated out there in the global universe that once a person has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, it's degenerative and it's progressive. Now, it's not true, and that's the whole purpose that I have launched in the mission for Parkinson's recovery, to identify the many, many different ways that individuals have succeeded in being able to reverse their symptoms. So, I think what I want to first say is I think you're holding that belief that Parkinson's is degenerative near and dear and close to your chest. You're embracing that belief. You have bought into that belief. And when you say, is it truly possible, and you're asking me that question, well, Barbara, I've been at it for 15 years, and every year, I'm finding more and more individuals who have succeeded in doing just that, in being able to find natural options that help them get well. I do a holiday survey each and every year, Barbara. I don't know whether you've participated or not. I only really send out a single or maybe a couple of requests to members of my global audience. And the survey is really very simple. It says to respondents, please answer two questions. It'll only take you a couple of minutes. The first question is, since the last holiday season, that would be a year ago since these survey instruments or these questions are sent out every holiday season, have you been feeling better, the same, or worse? It's very simple. And so a person will just answer, yeah, I've been better. Number two, I'm the same. And number three, I'm worse. Last survey, December 2018, 70% of the respondents reported that they were either the same or they were better. About 26% actually reported that they were actually doing better over the previous year. But 70% reported that they were either better or they were really the same. There had been no, quote, deterioration. Now, let me say that again, 77, 0%. So, yes, 30% were feeling worse, but 70% were either the same or better. So when you ask the question, is it possible, well, my answer is, oh, yeah, it is. You also say, if on meds every four hours, not much support alone, but I exercise, I try to focus, but I do get anxious at times. So my other comment for you, and I hope you'll find this will be supportive, is you've likely found a connection between your anxiety and the symptoms. There's a direct link. I ask the question of people, well, do you notice when you get stressed that the symptoms are worse? And I have never yet had a person who said, no, I've never noticed a connection. Everyone says, oh, heavens, yes. 
when I get stressed, when I get uptight, when I get anxious, when I have an anxiety attack, my symptoms really flare up. So I think if there's any place that you want to focus your attention, Barbara, it is first to cleanse out of your thinking that false belief that recovery is not possible because I think that's what you're holding. And second of all, to do something that really is pretty straightforward, and that is to set the intention to get your anxiety under control. Now, you couple the word focus and anxiousness in the same phrase, you might want to also work on, instead of multitasking, work on focusing on a single task at a time. That can bring you into the present moment. It's a wonderful mindfulness exercise, and that alone will help be able to bring anxiety under control. Question now from Benny. CBD oil with Parkinson's medications. Is this safe? And then Benny mentions the number of different Parkinson's medications. So in terms of the research, Benny, I've not seen any specific research that has examined this particular question. And as you know, I'm sure, I am a researcher, a Ph.D. type. I'm not a medical doctor. So I need to first say, if you really want to explore the answer to this, it'd be a good idea to check through with your doctor their response. I've seen no research indicating that there is any contraindication. In fact, the research consistently shows that taking CBD oil uh, appears to have very few, if any, side effects. So I would suspect that your doctor would probably say, no, we, we don't think there would be any problem. But again, I would just like to suggest, well, take the question and be sure you check it through with your doctor. Now, I do think there might be a connection between taking CBD oil and Parkinson's symptoms, and it is the following. Do a research check, and you can do that on the main United States government website. It's pubmed.gov. That's P-U-B-M-E-D dot G-O-V. You can type in CBD research. Now, you're going to find hundreds and hundreds of studies, but you can scan down all of those abstracts, and I think what you're going to pretty well discover, as I have, is that the recent research, and by the way, there's a ton of it, even published in this year, 2019, that indicates that CBD oil reduces anxiety. You can see this is a follow-up to my question with Barbara. Now, because we know that anxiety is connected to the symptoms, then what I'd like to suggest is I think there may be a connection between taking CBD oil and taking medications, and that may be that if you're taking CBD oil and, in fact, you're able to get anxiety very much under control, then it's very possible that you might be able to reduce the dosage of medications that you are taking. So be sure to consult with your doctor and be sure that your doctor knows that you are doing that because it may affect how much of the medication you actually must or have to take. So I guess in the end, I think the bottom line of my response to you, Benny, is great question. When it comes to medication kind of issues, I really have to defer to the medical doctors. That's their area of expertise. That's where their training resides. So be sure to check with your doctor about that particular issue. Rika also asked, CBD oil, is that good for Parkinson's? So Keep in mind, Rika, that CBD oil is new in the sense that it's actually only been legal in all 50 states about six months ago, and it's illegal in some countries. So it's a relatively new development. There were some issues about the fact that some of the CBD oils were derived from the marijuana plant, and there were a number of public officials that were concerned that being sold was something that was hallucinogenic. 
Well, it's not true. Uh, the CBD oil that is typically marketed now by hundreds and hundreds of companies because it's been such a hide item is oil that's usually, if not almost always, derived from the hemp plant. So you don't have to worry about going sort of into this altered state. Rika, you're asking, well, what are the benefits and how do you use it? Well, again, I think there are a number of different potential benefits. And um, the best uh, answer you can get is to you can do your own research and you can see many, many different studies. And because it has been such a successful new therapy, again, uh, you find a lot of people are using this for medicinal purposes to address a number of different symptoms that they currently experience. So one of the kind of suggestions that I want to float with you, Rika, is the following. And I want to make this very clear. All right, so if you get CBD oil, is that going to provide you with relief from your symptoms? Now, the answer is maybe and maybe not. So we really, quite frankly, don't know. You can look at 150 studies of CBD oil, and then you can come to the conclusion, well, this looks pretty promising. You can take it, and we would be hopeful that it will provide relief, but we don't know that's the case for sure. So it's the kind of thing that I think I would recommend, well, why not talk with your doctor if you're on medications, but why not give it a try and see if, in fact, this would provide relief. During the holiday survey that I mentioned in the previous question with Barbara, a number of individuals, in fact, I was surprised, it wound up being about in the top five therapies that people reported had been beneficial to them. So a lot of people reported CBD oil was a natural therapy that was providing relief from their symptoms. And some people, actually only three of the respondents, uh, they were a total of about uh, 230, reported that it was more of the medicinal marijuana. But again, I think uh, about nine or ten respondents, which is a pretty high number since people had to actually write down this was the therapy that was helping them get relief from symptoms. Now, the challenge I have had when it comes to CBD oil, Rika, has been, okay, what is a reliable source of CBD oil? I identified this as a therapy about three years ago, and I interviewed a company that was actually providing the CBD oil. They actually had a merchant account that was taken down, and a lot of the companies are having the same problem even as we speak today. The Again, problem is that a lot of the banks are concerned that maybe this is not legal, and they all of a sudden close down their merchant account. But I can tell you that Three years ago, when I first introduced this to my audience, I said, look, again, the same comment. Well, research is promising. Uh, I would encourage some of you to give this a try, and let's see if it's going to help or not. And they had offered a money-back guarantee, so I was really comfortable in being able to suggest that. Now, the good news is that a number of people came back to me and said, yeah, this really is helpful. The company told me that there were just a large number of reorders. That's always a good sign that, in fact, people are finding it's been helpful. Does it help everybody? Again, Rika, I want to say, well, I think the answer is no. I don't believe we would go as far as to say, look, this is a surefire deal. However, in the company that I finally found after this other company had their merchant account uh, taken down is a company that I do have confidence in. It's called CTFO. Enrica, all I want to say is this company, unlike others, has a high-quality CBD oil. They do laboratory testing of all of their samples. If they say that their sample has 1,500 milligrams, it does have 1,500 milligrams. A lot of the companies have this advertisement where they'll say, yeah, we're going to sell you 1,500 milligrams, but if you actually had laboratory testing of what you purchased, you're going to discover that, no, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't have 1,500. It has 15 milligrams. In other words, they're not really giving you what it is that you ordered. But the fact is that this company is true to their word. If they say that it's 1,500, it is 1,500. It's high quality. It's organic. And then the other big advantage to this company is that they have this offer where once you get it, if it doesn't help, 
take the empty bottle, that is, you want to be sure to use it all, and if it's not really working, you can increase the dose to see if the problem is the dose is too light, or it may be that you can reduce the dose and be able to use it for longer. But you can return the empty bottle within 60 days, six zero days, and get a full refund. So there's really no risk to being able to try it. So how to use it? There's some standard kind of recommendations on dosage. The one for this particular company that I think is the best opportunity is a new product development. It's water-soluble. Other companies don't have this. It's called 10X Pure Spectrum CBD Oil. And in this particular offering, the great news is that it has a significantly greater penetration. So when you get that, what you're going to discover is you'll be able to use less of that, again, assuming that it's actually going to provide us relief from your symptoms. Now, when you're saying what are the benefits, again, I think, Rika, keep in mind, I think one of the key benefits is it does get anxiety under control, and that, in turn, would be expected to have a positive influence on Parkinson's symptoms. So when you say how to use it, well, it's a liquid. You'll put it under your tongue. Uh, the instructions may say six drops, and you might want to start with that, but I'd suggest start with fewer drops and maybe start with three. If that's not providing pretty quick relief, then you want to increase the number of drops that you actually use from three to four the next day, from four to five. And then finally, if you're getting relief, then you've got the correct number of drops. It's, uh, I think, in this particular 10X Pure Spectrum oil, it's surprising because the penetration is so high that typically you need to or have to take a much less, which means that the bottle uh, is actually going to be able to last a whole lot longer. Rika also asks, is there any hope for freezing? I exercise every day, but it doesn't help. Rika, yes. There are a number of individuals who have found therapies that address the problem with freezing. I think what's important here for you is to step back and ask the question, why is freezing a challenge for you. And if there's any place that you might want to begin to explore, I would consider looking at the issue of whether or not trauma has been an issue or a challenge for you in your life. When we are traumatized, we usually freeze. We just take our body and we get very, very still, hoping that the assault will all of a sudden vanish, which oftentimes does happen. It's what animals do as well. So in terms of freezing, oftentimes, if you go back in time, there's an origin of the problem, which turns out to be trauma. So working some on releasing trauma can be very, very useful. If there's a lot of tightness or restriction in your body, there's probably a physical origin of the problem, which turns out to be your gallbladder. So chances are your gallbladder is compromised. Perhaps there's some infections there, perhaps some heavy metal toxicity there. But the gallbladder usually is a problem when there are restrictions in your body. So I'd suggest uh, do some explorations of what's really causing the freezing problem and see if that doesn't help. Of course, we would hope, and this would be a wild speculation, that CBD oil might facilitate that. I really don't know whether that would be the case or not. But, again, you could give that a trial run to see if that might help. Rika also says, can I use the oil and my medication together? I know of no reason why not, although if you talk with your doctor, they probably are going to want to have you use your medication uh, by itself, and then if you have other supplements, then take those at a slightly different time. But again, check with your doctor about the answer to that in the morning or the evening. Okay, so think of the CBD oil as something that is designed to provide relief, something like what medications do. So when you take CBD oil, the expectation is within 20, 30 minutes, even an hour, you should be able to experience a relief from symptoms. Again, it's a bit like medication. Some people have the idea, well, gosh, I'm going to have to take this for a month to see if it's going to work. Well, it does build up in your system. It does turn out to be the case that after you've taken it for three or four days, you're going to have more in your system and you should be able to experience more relief. But the fact is that when you initially take it, you should see some response. So in the morning, well, of course, if the idea is you want to see if you can experience some relief from symptoms. I've had several people who've emailed me voluntarily and reported that they're taking some drops before they go to sleep to facilitate better sleep. And there's some studies indicating that that, in fact, can happen when you take the CBD oil. 
one person suggested uh, that they, in the instructions, uh, read that six drops uh, would be recommended before they go to sleep. So they took all the six drops, they went to sleep, and they said they were really out for the whole night and had a good night's sleep, but felt like, boy, they really were zonked out. And so the next night they reduced that. They cut that down in half. And they said they got they had a delightful night's sleep and uh, really were not quite as twisted out, so to speak, for the whole night. So the fact is that it may be that you'll be able to use fewer drops in order to be able to get relief from your sleep. So uh, you can use it in the morning and the evening, both, and see if that doesn't provide some relief. And you really do have to have some experimentation, Rika, with this to see how many drops you actually need to take. So the company, again, that I think I would recommend if you want to pursue this is CTFO. There's a link uh, that you can use that I'll be happy to send uh, that will tell you where you can actually acquire that particular product. Next question. This comes from Mary. What do you know about using 5-HTP? What symptoms does it address? Suggested dosage. Can it be taken long-term? So the person that I think I could say uh, has said the most about 5-HTP is an individual that I interviewed on my radio show on May the 4th, 2011, John Sheps. And John found that when he took the 5-HTP, it really provided some significant relief from his own symptoms. What does it do? It enhances mood and increases the availability in your body of serotonin. It helps to improve sleep, increase calm, and like CBD oil, reduce anxiety. So I think it's the kind of thing that certainly some people have found can really make a difference, certainly worth considering, certainly worth talking with your doctor about this as a possibility. I do want to say, Mary, that from what I have seen in terms of supplements, be sure if you decide you want to begin to try to take some of this to see if you can get a reduction in anxiety, increasing your calm, improving your sleep, and obviously increasing serotonin, which by the way, if you have some pain, if you have very, very low levels of serotonin, you're going to probably experience quite a bit of pain. So getting that serotonin level up will reduce the severity and the chronic nature of whatever pain you might actually experience. Be sure to acquire the supplement from a reliable source. I think the worst decision you can make is to go on a site, and I just want to give an example, something like Amazon, where you're really looking for an inexpensive source. Well, if you don't spend a lot of money what you're going to discover is you're going to get something that uh, probably is not going to really have very much quality at all, if any, and you're throwing your money down the toilet. So get the supplement from a reliable source so that you know it has high quality. The recent studies by some of the attorney generals in the United States are frightening. They've done some analyses of some of the supplements that are being sold by these big box stores, and the results are Awful. I just want to say, if you're purchasing your supplements uh, from any of these large, and I'm using the word big box stores, I don't want to use any names, I would just say, stop it. Don't do that. You're just wasting your money. You're really not getting any quality at all, according to the results of the findings when they do laboratory testing of the actual content in these supplements that are sold, again, uh, for good prices, but boy, you get what you pay for. Now, again, you can actually hear John Schappes' interview, and you can do that by going on to the Parkinson's Recovery radio show page. That's uh, clearly available from the main website, parkinsonsrecovery.com, and you'll see a link there to the radio show page. Now, it's 2011, so you have to go down to the bottom of the radio show page and scroll back. It'll be probably eight or nine pages. There are about 20 or 25 interviews on each page. And go back to May the 4th, 2011. You'll be able to find the show right there. Now, if you, Mary, happen to be a Parkinson's Recovery member, and I think you might be, you can just go on to the Parkinson's Recovery member 
radio show page, and there you'll see there's a whole long list of categories, and you'll see one that's uh, 5HTP. Just click on that link, and you'll find that uh, John's interview is listed right there. Next question comes from Sandy. Just read your email about Q&A this afternoon. What a great gesture. <laughs> well, thank you, Sandy. I appreciate that. I've been a long-time listener, but I've been absent for a few months uh, as life is keeping me busy. So looking forward to reconnecting. I have been reading Grain Brain and am about halfway through Effortless Healing by Dr. Mercola. Both authors are extremely vigilant about removing all grain from our diets. And they both touch on the harmful relationship grain has on our neurological symptoms. We'd love to hear your thoughts. No doubt about it. And wheat is the biggest culprit. So wheat creates all sorts of leaky gut issues. We know that there's recent evidence indicating that one of the key sources of Parkinson's neurological symptoms winds up being digestive challenges. And why could that be the case? Well, you're eating a whole lot of wheat. Also, let me just emphasize that if you're just going to the store and, oh, you've got this delicious bread that you've been buying your whole life that you're in the habit of actually purchasing, well, the bread, especially if you're purchasing that bread in the United States, chances are is contaminated by GMOs. That is not something that you want to expose yourself to. So I think in terms of what I've seen in analyses of the factors that are causing symptoms is that you would be very advantaged from eliminating grains and in particular wheat from your diets. So I just want to say I think both of them are on track with that suggestion. There's also a rather interesting development in terms of diets. There's going to be a conference in Salt Lake City uh, just this summer, and a lot of medical professionals are gathering together, and what they're really beginning to recommend is to reduce your consumption of carbs, and they're actually also recommending that it makes sense to even supplement protein with some protein from beef or meat. And the other suggestion is not meat that is grain-fed, because, again, you're going to have the same problem with contaminants of GMOs and wheat, but rather grass-fed beef. And when you really reduce the exposure that you're getting of the carbs, what you're going to find is that uh, you may begin to feel a whole lot better. Now, Sandy continues, Dr. McCullough blames our dangerous tap water for a lot of our neurological problems as well and strongly recommends full house water filtration systems. Yes, there's no doubt about it that especially if you are in a city system, notice what's happening here. So the water is being recycled into the systems that are cleansing out the water people are dumping into their water system all sorts of contaminants. Some people are taking hormonal supplements. Well, I don't want to be unpleasant in saying this, but they're peeing <laughs> the excess that their body cannot hold into the water system. So people are taking medications that's getting into the water system. They're heavy metal, toxicity. There's chlorine, a lot of the systems add these uh, chlorinated systems, and so there's a lot of toxins in these water systems, and so there's no doubt about it. If you're on a well system, much less of a problem, but if you're on a city system, uh, having a filtration system really makes a difference. He goes, again, the, uh, Sandy continues with uh, her statement, he goes so far as to say he believes showering in this tainted water is actually more harmful than drinking it. As you probably know, the whole house filtration systems are not cheap. Well, no, they're not, but I would have to say, well, if you are in a system that you know it has a lot of toxicity, then I think you need to begin to take it very seriously to see if you can get some kind of filtration system installed. Or certainly, if you are drinking the water, make sure that it is pure as possible and not the tap water. So I agree with both of their recommendations. And 
if you'll just step back, Sandy, and ask yourself the question, what really is essential to life? What's the bottom line? Well, it's really quite simple. It's water and oxygen. That's the bottom line. So if we can give our body enough water and if we can give our body enough oxygen, we're going to be able to heal. We're going to be able to come back into balance. So if the oxygen is being stymied and if we're not able to have enough uh, ability to hydrate the cells, we're never going to be able to get all the toxins that are lodged at the cellular level. That's why John Coleman, the first person to my knowledge, the pioneer of being able to figure out what it took to be able to reverse Parkinson's symptoms back in the mid-90s, an Australian, John Coleman, now naturopath doctor, recommends a homeopathic remedy for hydration called the aquas. Next question comes from Nicole. Robert, thank you for this opportunity. Well, you're welcome, Nicole. Here's my question. I seem to be able to stick with the program or treatment or whatever it may be for a certain length of time in which I may experience benefits or improvements, and then my self-discipline wanes. I start to get lazy. My commitment drops off, and I end up losing progress and losing hope. I have been through this cycle numerous times. I just can't seem to work hard enough to get to the next level. And I end up mad at myself and feeling worse. Have you witnessed this type of cycle? Can you provide any insights or advice for getting past it? So my answer for you, Nicole, is Yes, I have witnessed this cycle in pretty much every human being I've ever known, including myself. And yes, I do have some suggestions for how you can get past it. So what's really happening here? We have, all of us, dualities. And those dualities entail wanting to do something, wanting to make something happen, and then just the reverse, wanting to sabotage that. So there are really two currents that tend to be running oftentimes with whatever intention I set. So you're kind of asking this question, Nicole, as if, well, you're the only one. And I want to say, wait a minute, Nicole, we're all in the same boat. We all have the same problem. And to make the point clear, what I can say is the following. Think about all of the friends that you know who set New Year, New Year's Eve resolutions. I'm going to lose 40 pounds this year. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to change jobs, whatever the resolution is. Does that happen for most people? And the answer is no. Now, what does it take to change a habit? And it's interesting that it's about 21 days to be actually change uh, a habit. So if you want to begin to change, for instance, what you are eating, you've got to have a clean diet for 21 days, and then you'll be able to sustain that. What happens to most people, and this has happened to me over and over again, I'll set the intention to make a new habit possible. I'll start practicing that particular thing every day, and I'm so proud of myself. It gets to be the 17th day, and I forget to do it. It's like, well, uh, oh, oh, gosh. And all of a sudden, the 18th or 19th, I think, well, what, what happened? I, I was doing this, and all of a sudden, I didn't even think about it. It just all of a sudden dropped off. And so we don't quite get to that 21st day. So we all have this duality, and this is an unconscious resistance. That's what it is. It's not conscious. Obviously, it's what we want to see happen. Obviously, you know the kinds of things you need to do in order to be able to feel better and get well, but you can't really quite stick to it. So there's something called unconscious resistance. Now, Nicole, I don't know whether you are a Parkinson's recovery member or not, but for those of you that resonate with this particular challenge, I have recorded meditations on the Parkinson's recovery member websites in the meditation section, and it's called Unconscious Resistance. So for the week meditation, there is a 30-minute discussion of this as an issue, and then there are daily meditations to be able to help you facilitate unlocking this particular 
challenge with not being able to institute the ability to have the habits that you know will help you get well. And I want to say, no, you're not alone. One of the conversations I had with a member of my audience uh, several years ago was the following. This member said, yeah, that uh, he had uh, uh, been following the recommendations of John Coleman and uh, doing everything that John recommended. He's the naturopath I mentioned earlier that uh, had developed a program that had succeeded for him, and he helps other people do the very same thing. Well, what happened, as it turns out, was he said, yeah, I did it for about six or seven months, and so he paused, and so I kind of interjected, so did it help? His answer was, oh, yeah, yeah, I was feeling a lot better, but then I didn't stick to it. My next question was, oh, well, that's interesting, so you were doing better, but you decided to give it all up. How come? And it's interesting, his answer. His answer was, well, I just didn't want to live like a monk. <laughs> In other words, the kind of habits that he had to embrace were ones that were not similar and familiar to what he really liked to do in terms of his lifestyle. So he gave it up, and he began to feel a lot worse. Now, what can you really do to be able to address the problem of duality? Of course, you can get onto the member website, and my meditations, I think, will be helpful. There's also a number of therapies that I think can also be very, very useful. One of them is called energy psychology. Not psychologists can subset themselves into a relatively small group of psychologists who practice what's called energy psychology. They do muscle testing to identify sources of resistance for you to be able to manifest what it is that you set your intention to manifest. So you can search for an energy psychologist in your area and see if you can get some support from them. It can be very helpful. There's also some systems called the emotion code and the body code. Now, I've had interviews on Parkinson's Recovery Radio and all of these therapies. There's a person who's a chiropractor by the name of Bradley Nelson, and he's the one who developed these particular approaches, the body code and the emotion code. Those are also systems for being able to attempt to see if you can identify the source of resistance to being able to adapt the kind of habits and the lifestyle that will really will enable you to get well. Now, there's a final comment that I want to make, Nicole, and it is that there may also be an entanglement in your family system. Now, when I say entanglement, it may be that unconsciously a reason why you're not getting well is you are taking on the pain and the suffering of one of your ancestors, maybe your mother, maybe your father, could be an aunt, uncle, sibling, grandparent, or somebody that you never even met. It's a powerful dynamic, and what happens is that as children, what we will say is better that I take on this suffering than my mother or my father or whoever it might be. So it's possible that there's an entanglement involved and to be able to adopt the kind of activities that you know will enable you to get well. It may be that what will really facilitate your ability to recover your full life force and to heal will be to unravel whatever entanglement might currently exist in your family system. I want to stress these are unconscious. You're not really aware that that's the dynamic that's driving the problem. So check out family constellations. Um, I do personal kind of constellations for people. It's a great idea to find a workshop in your community where you can go and with a group you can begin to experience how these entanglements can be identified and cleared. So once they're identified, once they're cleared, it's done. You don't have to worry about that inhibiting your ability to get well. Next question comes from Julie. Can you explain what using the Beamer treats as compared to what the Biontology treats as compared to the Veolite or the photobiomodulation? Now, this is a huge question, Julie, and I want to really simplify this. Now, all of these have a pretty long list of potential benefits, and we've covered all of these particular technologies in the various interviews we've done from usually the inventors or developers of these particular therapies. They're new, some of them, 
and we're encouraged, I have to say, by all of them. Now, let's go to simply the first one you ask about, which is the Beamer. Now, that's an electromagnetic pulse therapy, and I would strongly recommend this for anyone. I used the Beamer when I was helping my daughter with her health problems here over the last several months. I was in San Francisco for quite a long time, and she was really very, very sick. She began using the Beamer, and it made a huge difference. And I have to say, I was using the Beamer as well, and I was really able to function remarkably well over that period of time. She was having pain episodes every other night. I was not getting any sleep every other night. So to be able to even function during the day, it was really a challenge. Now, what does the Beamer do for people? And what it does is it oxygenates the cells and it sends the nutrients to where they need to go in the body. So the Beamer as a therapy is something that opens up those tiny little narrow and restricted passageways in the bottle. The, the, the capillaries constitute about 74% of the circulation in the body. So when you look at these anatomy pictures, what you'll see is the arteries and the veins, and that's what we think of, okay, that's what the circulation is. But actually, that's only about 26% of the circulation. Most of it goes through these narrow, narrow little passageways there. It can be the diameter of a hair. And a lot of times, they're so small, only one, one cell can actually pass through. What happens with aging, then, is that those passageways are roadblocked. They're restricted. They shut down. And so although we're trying to get the nutrients to the cells, they're not getting there because these passageways are blocked. What the Beamer does is it opens all of that up, and it begins to send the blood and the hydration to the cells so that you can remove the waste products and you can get the nutrients where the nutrients need to go. So some people have been doing all sorts of detoxing protocols. Some people that I've interviewed have done them for three or four years, and they'll say, well, I've made some success, but ah, we do the test with my doctor, and by George, I still have this mercury. I still have this manganese. It's like very frustrating. The aluminum is still really problematic. Well, how come that hasn't succeeded? And I think the answer I've got for you is I suspect the problem is that you are not getting the blood supply to the cells. So because of that, and the cells are not being hydrated properly enough, and so the Beamer is a long-term therapy that can make a huge difference in terms of sustaining health and wellness over the long term. So I bought one of these units for my daughter. It's making a difference to her. And my next agenda, whenever I can get enough uh, resources up, I want to buy one for my wife and I and my family to use on a regular basis. So I would say in terms of recommendations, uh, that's a really uh, a therapy that now that I've experienced that personally here just recently, I think it's a true winner. And I put that on the high priority for uh, purchasing a second unit. Now, in terms of electromagnetic field therapy, I just also want to make a side comment. There are uh, some competing companies that sort of claim they're the same thing as the Beamer, and I just want to say from the research I've done, it's not the same thing. If you're going to do this at all, the one that you'll want to get is this advanced therapy called the Beamer, B-E-M-E-R. If you want to know more information, I've got some wonderful explanations that have been provided by Ross Pelton, the compounding pharmacist, who was the one who introduced me to that as a therapy. Now, the next one that you ask about, Julie, is the Veolite, or the photobiomodulation therapy. Now, there again, there are a lot of potential benefits to the Veolite, and if you listen to my interview with the inventor of the Veolite devices, one of them is called the NeuroGamma device, and the brand new one that was just out here at the beginning of this year is called the X+. I would say, in terms of choosing that as a therapy, and again, it's been successful for a lot of people who've used it, but not everybody. I'd say 9 out of 10 users have found it has been satisfying their expectations, and about 1 out of 10 are finding that it has not. So it's like all therapies, not going to help everyone. But on average, uh, I've been really impressed with how many people are reporting it's been useful. I would say 
that if you are experiencing any form of dementia, memory problems, difficulty in being able to make executive functions, that's the one that I would definitely recommend because the research indicates that it can have a huge impact. So anybody who has an early indication of Alzheimer's, Get the photobiomodulation therapy. Get it from the Veolite. I would get both the devices if you have that challenge. I'd get both the NeuroGamma and the device called the X+. And again, I've done interviews on Parkinson's Recovery Radio about that. They've got a coupon code you can use to get uh, 10% off. So if you want to pursue that, that's something that, especially if dementia is a problem, I would put at the top of the list. And finally, there is a question about what's called biontology. And uh, this is one that I'm not going to go into great length with because there are not that many practitioners out there. But it's a therapy that can look at the distortions in the light that's passing through the meridians of the body. When there are distortions, there can be corrections that are made that alert the body what it needs to do in order to be able to bring the body back into balance. Now, the biontology is one that I would put at the top of the list for people whose symptoms are actually related to something like an inoculation. Now, Sherry Edwards from Sound Health Options has found that tetanus inoculations are actually contributing to some of the symptoms that people experience. So the biontology therapy is one that can uh, address the problem and reverse and correct the problem of these inoculations like tetanus. Now, I also want to say, just so you can put this in the back seat of your memory banks, if there is ever an epidemic of some kind of a plague or an infection that is beginning to affect a lot of people and the medical society is basically saying they don't their antibiotics are not working they're at a loss as to what they can do to help people be able to heal from those infections this particular technology is one that is going to provide the answers um, what you basically can do is if the infection is uh, put in is the the frequencies of the light frequencies of the infection is uh, is put into the device. It's called a Shiren. Uh The device will create an antidote and it alerts the body about what it needs in order to be able to get rid of the infections. So uh, that one is one that I think you'll find uh, in the long run may really be a wonderful therapy if, in fact, that turns out to be the problem. And if you have an issue with infections that haven't been able to be healed, there is the finding that a lot of people have appendicitis, and that is actually an infection that's causing some serious health problems. Well, if that hasn't been able to be healed by these other traditional medical treatments, then biontology is what it's called is something that can really provide a wonderful relief for people. Next question comes from Dick. A uh, question for you and members. Has anyone ever tried in near-infrared saunas with any success for symptoms? So, Dick, the answer is yes. And I would invite you to listen to an interview that I did on Parkinson's Recovery Radio with Christian Harper. H-A-R-P-E-R. That interview was conducted on January the 2nd, 2013 on Parkinson's Recovery Radio. She talks about the importance and value of near-infrared saunas, in addition to diet and eating certain foods that can help uh, provide some healing for people experiencing lots of different kind of illnesses, including Parkinson's symptoms. Now, in terms of success for PD symptoms, let me also comment, Dick. You're using the infrared, and, of course, what you really want in using that is to be able to facilitate the release of heavy metals and toxins in your body. So you're not directly working on suppressing the symptoms. What you're doing is you're getting out the factors that are responsible for aggravating the symptoms, in this case, heavy metals and the toxins that are in the body. That's what near-infrared saunas are really great at doing. So it's possible, I just want to say, if you're beginning to do this, that you might see an increase in symptoms. It could be the symptoms would actually get aggravated. Well, that's a good sign. It means that, yes, in fact, you're getting 
some good detoxing experience. Now, the person who recommends the near-infrared saunas that I've interviewed on the radio show is Dr. Larry Wilson. And his website, Dick, is D-R-L, his last name, W-I-L-S-O-N dot com. It's a very simple website, and he has a ton of articles about all sorts of different subjects that are updated every week. So go to that website, and you'll see he's got some wonderful information about near-infrared saunas. He even also has a suggestion for if you don't want to purchase an infrared sauna that's a near one, you can make one yourself from the hardware store by purchasing items from the hardware store that total up about uh, 30 or $40. So it's an interesting approach. It's a great recommendation. And is this something that uh, can be helpful? My answer is yes. I think uh, you'll find it will. Now, Christian Harper is a person who was certified and trained under Dr. Wilson. And so the interview with her is one where she's describing his particular approach. Again, You'll find that interview on Parkinson's Recovery Radio uh, at 1 January the 2nd, 2013. And again, if you're a Parkinson's Recovery member, uh, what you're going to find is uh, in the category listings, you'll be able to connect up with that uh, particular interview very easily. If you're not, you go on to the public Parkinson's Recovery Radio show and again, because it was 2013, you'll have to scroll back about uh, seven or eight or nine pages to be able to get to that date, uh, January 2nd, 2013. Next question comes from Deborah. I've tried so many protocols so far to no avail. I am now about to try Mars Venus Superfood Shake with minerals and detox lemonade. Has anyone had success with this protocol? I'm newly on sentiment. Should I taper off to teach my body to balance dopamine, serotonin, and estrogen? So here's the question for everyone. This protocol is called Mars Venus Superfood Shake with Minerals and Detox Lemonade. So let me know if you tried that, what success you've had. I'll be sure to pass that report back to Deborah so she'll know if, in fact, you've tried it, what result you've actually had. And you also asked uh, Deborah. I'm newly on a medication. Should I taper off? Well, when you're talking about using medicines, again, I want to say, as I said earlier, I'm not a medical doctor. When you want to know questions about medicines, you really need to check that with your doctor to see what they might suggest uh, about whether or not that would be advisable or not. I can really say for sure, Deborah, that you don't want to go cold turkey on your medicines. You don't want to just stop them because you can have some pretty serious side effects that will emerge that can be very, very debilitating and concerning. Next question comes from, again, uh, this person's name is, first name is Barbara. I have tightening muscles in my arms and shoulders, which make it very difficult to breathe when I'm walking, especially. Has anyone had success in dealing with this? Well, Barbara, I can say yes, indeed. Uh, the answer is yes. There are people who found solutions to this. It's interesting, Barbara, that the question that you have asked is, has anyone had success? You don't ask, why is this happening? That wasn't the question that you actually asked. So I think what I want to say, similar to the other Barbara who had the question, I think you're carrying a belief that the condition that you're currently experiencing is irreversible. And as I said over and over during this presentation, oh, heavens, there are lots of solutions to whatever imbalances might currently exist in your body. So challenge that belief that may be more unconscious than conscious that your situation is irrevocable. Has anyone had success? Well, yes, of course the answer is yes. The real question is, well, what did they do to be able to make it happen? Again, that's the question you did not ask. But I'll go ahead and just give you a cursory response. If you have that kind of problem, most likely the cause winds up resting and originating in digestive imbalances and issues. If you have a, something called a frozen shoulder, that's going to always be the source. It's actually not the shoulder that's the issue. It's the digestion that's the issue. So you might want to begin to look at, do you have leaky gut? Are you eating a lot of wheat? 
do you have the lack of the good uh, probiotics? Do you have a lot of the bad bacteria? Do you have some infections that may be causing some problems? So I think digestion is something that I think ought to be put at the top of the list for you to really focus on. So I also just want to say, as I read your question, all of a sudden I wrote down a couple of questions that you might want to meditate on because it may be there are some issues that you can explore in your meditations that will really help you unlock the freezing problem. So the question that you might want to ask yourself is the following. As I walk forward in my life, what can I not stomach and face? And then the other kind of question that you might want to meditate on, Barbara, is the following. Have I committed to something that scares me and that I don't seem to be able to disconnect from? So a couple of possible questions to meditate on. It could be that there are some unconscious emotional reasons why the freezing is actually existing. When you look at the issue of freezing, it really is very much connected to trauma, as I mentioned earlier. So when we're traumatized, we tend to freeze. So there may be some traumatic experiences and stresses in your life that are actually the origins of the difficulty that you're currently experiencing. So not just looking at this from an emotional, uh, physical level, but also considering the fact that there may be some emotional undercurrents. Now, Barbara, I have to apologize. You did not ask me to discuss that, but I decided I would go ahead and add that <laughs> as an addendum to the question that you asked. The simple answer is yes, there are people who have solved that particular problem. Now, the next question comes from David. Does anyone know why Parkinson's disease progresses in many Parkinson's patients? Is it psychological or is there an underlying disease mechanisms? Now, this is really a big question with a number of different answers, uh, David. So let me provide you with a number of different answers why it is the case that many people actually uh, do not get well. Number one, the person is treating the wrong condition. That is, they might have a diagnosis of Parkinson's, but they might have something that's very different from that. Now, uh, probably 30% at least of persons with a diagnosis of Parkinson's actually have a Lyme disease infection. The symptoms of Lyme are the same as the symptoms of Parkinson's. So if they're not being treated for the infection, they're not going to get well. My uncle, Gordon, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. When he died, he donated his body to the Harvard Medical School in the hopes that they'd be able to do an autopsy and learn a little bit about Parkinson's. His body was sent when he died in 2009 to Harvard, came back pretty quickly, and as it turned out, what the medical professionals said was they could not use his body, and the reason was because when they looked into it, he actually had hepatitis C. He did not have Parkinson's. Gordon had been taking Parkinson's medications for 15 years before he died, but he did not have Parkinson's. So it's possible that some people have a diagnosis, but the fact is that they are being treated for the wrong condition. Second of all, people accept this false belief that I've now repeated uh, now several times in my responses, and they don't do anything to get well. They say, okay, well, the doctor said it's degenerative, and um, there may be some medicines that can uh, slow the progression down. That's what my doctor told me. But the um, fact is that I guess my time has arrived. So they don't exercise, they have a bad diet, and they do get worse. So number three, some people believe that the answer to their problem is to take lots of supplements, lots of medications. They put a lot of stuff into their body. But the real problem may be they need to be able to get the bad stuff out of their body. There may be some toxins, some infections in the body, and so they're putting a lot of things in, but it's not doing much good at all. Number four, it may be that a person is having to take more and more medications to get some relief from their symptoms, and that really is the typical prognosis for everyone on medications. They can provide wonderful relief in the short run, but in the long run, it may be that more medicines are needed. 
Now, when you have to take more and more medicines and also more supplements, you are going to begin to have issues with side effects, with dyskinesias. The body is going to begin to struggle to get rid of the toxic overload, and um, you're going to begin to get sicker. Number five, it may be that the underlying issue winds up being heavy metals. And again, the issue here is if that's the case, then the real solution is to do some detoxing of the heavy metals, and people aren't doing that. So they're putting more stuff in the body. There's already bad stuff in the body, and they're getting worse and worse. I wrote a book on seven steps to healing several years ago, and my first secret to being able to be successful in healing is not to put good stuff in your body first, but get the bad stuff out of your body first. Another reason why people do tend to deteriorate over time is that they have what is called a methylation issue. And this means that they can't process the nutrients that they put into their body. So what they eat may be excellent, nutritious, organic foods, but their body is not able to actually translate that into a usable form. So they're called methylation issues. A number of people with Parkinson's have the kind of genes that create problems with that. Finally, uh, it may be that a person is focused on the problem as a problem of dopamine, but that's really not the problem. The problem resides somewhere else. So there are lots of different reasons, David, that I've got uh, listed here for you in response to your question that are why a lot of people, yes, it is the case, really wind up getting a little bit worse every single year. And again, in the survey instrument uh, result that I, I mentioned a little bit earlier in my responses, recall that about 30 uh, no, it's 25% of the respondents uh, wound up. They did get worse over the previous year. Uh, David continues to say, is it originally caused by a lack of blood supply to certain parts of the brain, or does it originate in the gut, which is the newest theory? Well, both can obviously be factors. Is there some uh, type of gut probiotic that will increase dopamine in this region of the body? So here in your question, you are focusing on dopamine, and I don't think from my research that that's the best way to approach figuring out how to get well from this condition. So it is the case that when we infuse additional dopamine in the body, we can see a suppression of the symptoms. But what's really causing the issue to begin with, if there is a depletion of dopamine, what's the reason for that? And if you go after that, then you're going to be a lot better off. And it is the case that, yes, it may be the presence of gut good probiotics is a factor. You're not able to digest the food. Even if you have the right bacteria, as I just mentioned, it may be that you have a methylation issue. And so the real solution there is to turn off the genes that are causing the problem. And there are technologies that enable you to do that. By the way, just as a side effect, a lot of people think, well, if I have this gene, I'm sunk. There's nothing I can do about it. But genes get turned on and get turned off all the time. We've got a large number of genes that are turned off in our body. We don't need those genes to be operable in the society that we live in today. We needed those genes uh, 3,000 years ago, but we don't need them today. So genes get turned on and off, and if you have genes that are creating some difficulty with digesting your food, then yes, it will be helpful to be able to um, move toward technology that allow those genes to be turned off that are creating the problem. So uh, David says, I know these are difficult questions. They are—they really are comprehensive. I've only sort of skirted on the surface as to the uh, in-depth answer to all of them. I've not heard anybody uh, satisfactorily addressing these issues. Well, I think you have to realize that there are lots of ways of looking at the issue. There are lots of factors that are creating the um, symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. So because there's so much involved, it really depends on what's causing the problem in the begin with. Well, that concludes the questions that had been submitted previously to me that I wanted to be sure to respond to. Uh, thank you so much for your interest in identifying all the different ways that we're discovering or helping people find ways to get healthy, to reclaim your full life force. Again, this is your host, your Q&A responder, Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004, and that's what's happening here.
on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and, of course, all of the children are profoundly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you're connecting in here to this particular Q&A today, that you've set your intention to be able to figure out what's causing whatever imbalances you currently experience in your body, whatever symptoms you currently experience, and you're going to be able to find solutions one way or another. It is true the solutions for you will be different from other people, but once you find the ones that your body needs, you will be able to reclaim your life force. And that's the exciting news that I have for you after 15 years of conducting research on what it takes to be able to get well from these neurological challenges. Thanks so much for being here and a supporter of Parkinson's Recovery. I look forward to connecting with you during our next radio show interview and our next Q&A session, which will, of course, be coming up in the weeks ahead. So thanks so much for being here and, again, for being a supporter of Parkinson's Recovery. 